What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. All right, all right. Hold on, y'all. I forgot the password on my computer. One second. That's right. Crank it back up. All right, I'm trying to use one hand. That's a problem. Thank you, choir. Choir's always got my back. I love it. All right, I'm in. We're good. All right, good morning again. And I'm Craig, if you forgot from... 60 seconds ago or so. Is everybody doing good this morning? You alive? Did you meet some people? Come on, worship was amazing. Come on, we love church. The presence of God is here. And, uh, and we're, glad, we're glad that you've taken time to be with us today. We're, this, is our, this is the portion of our experience where we open the Bible. Uh, that, that's a big deal here at Convo Church because we don't for one second believe that uh, that self-help books and, just, and, your, and your, your best friend's advice and, and just common sense is enough to make it through life. And you know what? You weren't created to make it through. You were made to thrive. You were created with purpose. And so God has given us his spirit. God has given us his word. And we need this because this is, as the Bible says, it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And when we hide God's word in our heart, it helps us to live righteously. It helps us to not struggle with the things that we used to struggle with. There's life in these words. And so we believe everything from the index pages in the beginning to if you got, how many of y'all got maps? You got maps in the back of yours? That's old school. If you, if you're, if you even, some of y'all are like, oh, I actually didn't even know. Yeah, there are maps in the back. That's pretty cool. Anyway, now mainly Genesis to Revelation. That's the main part that we really focus on in the Bible. But we're going to go there. So if you have a Bible, help me out. And let's go to, we're actually going to go start off by reading. We got a couple of verses in the Old Testament where I want to start off. And so we're going to go to Chronicles which is really close towards the beginning. Man, I got really accustomed to that choir back there. That sounded, that sounded good. First, uh, Second Chronicles, sorry, Second Chronicles. <clears throat> if you're from Australia, two Chronicles. Y'all are learning stuff at church you didn't even know. I really should have had this place marked. There we go. Second Chronicles, now chapter seven. If you don't know, like when you open your Bible and you see the numbers, the big numbers is a chapter, the little numbers is a verse. So if you hear a pastor say 2 Chronicles 7.14, that means we're going to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. That's part of the Bible study this morning. We all got to learn how to read the Bible. And for those of you that, that don't have one or didn't bring one, we always encourage people to download on your phone, even if you have an Android phone. 
It works as well. I'm joking. Uh, for, your, for your iPhone, your Android, that's right. And because uh, you got to do is that LG, you got a deal. You got it's the, the Samsung or the LG. And um, download the version Bible app. Everybody needs it on your phone. Everybody, everybody needs it. And so you want to make sure you download that. And you can follow along with us. And then to make it super easy, because that's just what we try to do sometimes, we'll have it up on the screen behind me. So I'm going to read this to you. And then uh, this, is, this is something that is um, it's very, it's very, a very well-used passage in Scripture, and as it should be. Uh, and you're going you're gonna to hear why in just a moment. But let me read it to you. You can follow along. It's, uh, it's and again, 2 Chronicles 7.14 and verse 15. We're going to read that. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. That's a powerful scripture. There's some pretty powerful truth there. So this is what we're going to do to make sure that kind of sinks in with you. Uh, We're going to read this together out loud. I feel like we're in school now. Is that cool? We're going to read this together out loud. Can you all read with me? Are you all ready? Do I have to count to three or just start reading what works best for you guys? Okay, we're just going to go. You ready? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Great job, you guys. Man, y'all are good readers. I don't care what anybody else says. All right. Uh, Let me pray for you because what we're going to get into today is something that can't go skin deep. What we're going to talk about today is something that has to penetrate the layers of our being and get into our soul. So, Father, I just thank you right now that we even have the opportunity to be here. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we, we live in a country where we're still here and we still, we're still gathering. And Father, we pray that the time that we have today, the, the, the moments and the minutes that we have together today, Lord, we celebrate that and we ask that you would open up our hearts to hear, open up our ears to hear what you're trying to say. Father, we want to receive. We don't want barriers. Father, remove doubt, replace it with faith. God, we want to grow with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the last couple of weeks we started this, this new um, this new series called Jesus People. And last week we talked specifically about um, how Jesus people stay focused on the harvest. And if you want to listen to that, I'm not going to re-preach it. You can go to our podcast. You can go to um, our YouTube page. You can watch that. Um, but you, you, if you're here and you're relatively new, you may be asking yourself the question when we talk about Jesus people, uh, what does that mean? What, what's, what's Jesus people? So I figured I should come up with some type of working definition. I didn't pull this off of YouTube or the internet or wiki or any of that type of stuff. This is something that I believe is scriptural, and we're going to work with it. And if you disagree, you can email me later and, and, um, and prove that you use email. So uh, Jesus people are regular people. Is that good news to start with? Not perfect people. Not saints not those that are better than everybody else. No, Jesus' people are regular people like you and me who are passionate about their relationship with Jesus and live to share his life and love with others. That sounds good, right? I think that's in the Bible. I think that's a good description of what it means to be Jesus' people, to be a Jesus' follower. And so we've referenced how back in the 60s and 70s there was this movement, and it was a movement of people that really that's where this name first came, at least in our culture, 
those who were observing the way that these people were acting began to call them Jesus people because they were acting like they thought Jesus would act. They were hitting the streets to share the gospel. They were praying for the sick and seeing them recover. They were selflessly giving of themselves to go out and and go after a hurting and a broken, lost generation to give them the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, and that was beautiful, but we are really seeing, if if you know where to look and you know what to watch and what to listen to, we're actually seeing a very strong resurgence of what was like the Jesus People movement of the 60s and 70s. And you're seeing it in pockets all over the country on the West Coast and, 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 and up in the East Coast and in different parts around the country. And actually on, it's next week, right? Next week, and I'm inviting everybody to come. I mean, you gotta, you gotta take care of your own accommodations here. I'm not taking care of that. But uh, next Sunday in the evening in Sacramento, just a little hop, skip, and a jump, there's going to be this massive, amazing worship moment where people are coming to get, thousands of people are gonna be coming together at the state capitol in Sacramento on the steps to worship in public and to, and to, and to talk about Jesus. And so we're gonna go, I've already heard there's a bunch of people who are gonna go, so we're gonna have church and we're gonna tear down church and then once we're torn down and cleaned up, then we're gonna make our way over in that direction. And I don't know what time it's even gonna have, what was it? Five o'clock, okay, so 5 p.m., and that's not that far away. So come hang out with us. It's going to be fantastic. It's actually going to be the type of thing that when they're preaching on the Jesus people 30 years from now, they're going to talk about. And so it's not often that you know history is about to happen and you get to walk into it and be a part of it. So yeah, come hang out with us. It's going to be fantastic. But, but here's the thing. like That happened then and it's beginning to, to, to surge now. And usually these things begin to happen in culture because there is a deficit in our regular world culture where people are coming up hungry and starving. And I'm not just talking about in a physical sense, I'm talking spiritually. People are hungry for something that is real. They're tired of the politics failing them. They're tired of of, of the human efforts for justice failing them. And they're realizing that we need something bigger, more powerful, more sustainable, something that's gonna bring real solutions. And history has always told us, even outside of the realm of faith, you can mark moments over the past thousands and thousands of years where tragedies have happened, hunger was in people, and people cried out, and God showed up. We're like, well, that's great. How come he wasn't there before? No, he was there, but the only thing is, is where we're putting our eyes. God doesn't go on vacations, and then when we cry loud enough, he, he comes back from vacation. I know some people have felt that way in life. I felt, you know, I felt like I was on vacation that season in my life or even right now. But here's the thing. What you focus on is what will be magnified in your life. And so the more you focus on the challenges that you face, the smaller God gets and the bigger your problems get. But the moment that you begin to shift it and you take back authority, because I don't know if you knew this, but God gave you authority. And so the enemy of our souls, the devil, he doesn't have any authority over us except that which we give him. His whole agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. If you can figure that out, you've figured out the enemy's game plan. If you can figure this out, then you've already figured out the easy strategy to combat the plans of the enemy, to steal, to kill, and to destroy every facet of life. But God has come to give us life and life more abundantly, life to the fullest. And so we have to understand what we focus on is what will become big in our life. And so even when things are hard, we're always going to encourage ourselves and the Holy Spirit's always gonna create moments where he is inviting us, imploring us, begging us to get our eyes focused back on the Lord. Because the bigger we make God, 
And I know that's a silly statement. You can't make God bigger. But you focus on him more. The Bible uses the word magnify. Just like a magnifying glass. Whatever you put this glass on, it's going to look bigger than what it seems like it is. As we magnify God by focusing on him, instead of saying, God, why are you doing this to me? We, we begin to say, God, only you can bring me through this. Only God, God, how come I got sick? It's God, I know you're my healer. And the more we begin to focus on that, God becomes bigger. That wasn't on here. But we, we, I want to go further back than the 60s and 70s because Christianity is not that new. But there were Jesus people before the Jesus people. And those Jesus people that I'm talking about, I call them like the OG Jesus people. Like these were, these were the original gangsters back in the day. They walked with Jesus. When you read in the book of Acts in the New Testament, the first, the second, and the third chapter, really the whole thing. But those first three chapters, you begin to see the original Jesus people that knew Jesus in the flesh, that walked with him, that followed him, that heard his voice, heard his teachings, saw him die, saw him raised from the dead, and saw him ascend back to the Father. Those were the OG Jesus people. You can hashtag that. I haven't yet. Feel free to use it. Because they were the ones that started what we are still a part of today. That's, that's something that I think is important and pivotal for us to remember, is that we're not a part of some religious sect that's just maintaining traditions. We are a part of a 2,000-plus-year movement that started with Christ and that was carried over to the people who followed him. And the very spirit that Christ had, he says, listen, I've called you, I've given you a mission. Some people think, uh, and, and just from a theological term, he had the Great Commission, man, that was the last thing Jesus told him. It's actually not the last thing Jesus told him. The Great Commission was go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone, make disciples, do all those things, baptize and heal the, raise the dead, heal the sick. And we're like, yeah, let's go. Now, the last thing Jesus said to his followers was, okay, I, I told you to do all that stuff, but wait, first I need you to go to Jerusalem. I need you to wait. Because what I've called you to do, you don't have the strength to do. You're going to need my spirit. And that's why I have to go back to the Father, but it's better for you because then I can send my spirit and it can be in all of you. And so we see in the early in, in, in chapter one and chapter two of Acts, we see this happen. Before they could go be Jesus' people. Sometimes we get ahead of God, not because God's timing is off, but because sometimes even in our own excitement, you know, it's like a um, like the kids on Christmas morning when if you're a parent and you still do it this way, um, for some reason you didn't get much sleep that night. And and then for some reason around three o'clock in the morning, your kids decide to wake you up because it's Christmas time, you know. And they're like, you know, you're, you're just, you just want to sleep some more. They get, it's like, hey, just chill. It's going to happen. It's all going to be good. Just You're getting ahead of yourself. Sometimes we get ahead of God in our zeal, and he's just saying, hey, hold, hold, just wait, 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 wait. You'll be fine. Just hold on. He did that to his early disciples, the original Jesus people. And they received the spirit of God. They received the supernatural power of God. And from that position, they were able to go out and be Jesus' people. So what's the lesson to learn from the OG Jesus people? The lesson is this. You can't be Jesus' people without the Spirit of God. When you try to be Jesus' people outside the Spirit of God, you just become religious people. You become rule followers. You become those who spend more time pointing what others are doing wrong instead of focusing on what you should be doing right for God. Quick story. You like that transition? Have you, ever, have you ever made excuses for not being able to do something that had somewhat of an obvious solution? 
All right, some of y'all lying. Okay, that was too personal. All right. Have you ever known someone else? That's what you do. You blame somebody. Have you ever known somebody else who gave up on something when the solution for their challenge was obvious? Okay. Planted the seed. So we have some kids. Now, I don't know, in your house, in our house, every single day we have to remind them to brush their teeth. Anybody else have that? And, and occasionally my wife has reminded me as well. But still, just to kind of throw that in there. And, and we hear, occasionally we hear responses like this. I can't. Why, why, why can you not brush your teeth? I lost my toothbrush. So find your toothbrush. Or here's, here's another good one. I threw my toothbrush away because it was old. Okay. So open the Costco pack of 50 toothbrushes that we got and pull one out. Um, I'm out of toothpaste. So when were you planning on telling us this? You can use ours. You know, these are not rocket science moments of life indecision. Um, my favorite one, I already brushed my teeth. We're like, yes, yesterday. But today's a new day. Um, oh, this is, my, this is my favorite. I'm not calling any particular children now. Just all three get thrown into this one. I love you. I love my kids. Y'all are awesome. Uh, toothbrush, toothpaste makes my mouth tingle. I'm like, that, it's, it's called clean. That's what it's, it's supposed to because that's how you know when the other things that were there are not there anymore. These are not unsolvable problems. You know, it's like, you can't, okay, so here's how you fix it. That's how Jesus responded to his disciples a lot. When the Jesus people were in training, Jesus was, okay, here's, either they would say something's not working right, and Jesus was like, so do this. Or he would even pose the potential obstacle, probably because he was tired of waiting for them to say it, and he knew they were thinking it. So he would pose the obstacle, and then he would say, so do this. Here's a couple of examples. There were, there were two times where Jesus had moments where he fed these massive multitude crowds. The Bible says it's the, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. Those numbers actually represented households, not just an individual. So more accurately, it was 15 to 20,000 people in these particular places. And Jesus says, hey, guys, um, I've been preaching for hours and hours. I'm not going to do that to you today. I've been preaching for hours and hours. These people came from long distance. Let's feed them. We need to feed them. And they're like, are you kidding me? Feed 20,000 people? The disciples have no money. They end up stealing some kid's lunch. Because when you read the Bible, that's literally what it tells you. They stole some kid's lunch. They bring it to Jesus, and they're like, uh, we, got, we got a couple pieces of bread, and we got some fish. That's all we have. We can't do it. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. Jesus is like, so tell people to sit in groups of 50, and then he blesses it, he multiplies it, and the provision is there, and they end up having leftovers. That's how God operates. So I want to I give you a scripture. This is actually a scripture that we, that we focused on last week. And, and I want to break because there was more into it, and I wasn't satisfied going past it. There was more into it. Uh, but we need to understand, number one, that the biggest thing that God is trying to bring us to when it comes to solution, he's trying to bring us to a place of prayer. Somebody say pray. God's trying to bring you to a place of prayer. And not just when you're having emergency moments. We all do that. We all have 911 prayer lives, Right? when everything's falling apart and we've exhausted every other resource, then we go and we pray and we talk to God. No, I'm talking about a consistent basis, having a relationship with God 
that is focused on and that is built on prayer. Jesus' people are praying people. So let me read this passage from from last week. It's in Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. I love this. When he watched the way that Jesus interacted with the need of people, he was never accomplishing partial outcomes. Jesus was always meeting every need. And I'll tell you, as a pastor, that's been one of the most intimidating realities because I see myself in different moments and I'm praying for people for this and believing with people for that and and I don't always see the same results that Jesus was having. And it's very easy to go, well, I guess it's just, I guess that's just not my thing. I guess Jesus doesn't come through for me like he does for either himself or other people. No, it's not the case. God is always driving us into deeper places of prayer. Because it's not that God is not answering prayers, it's because sometimes our lack of intimacy with God keeps us at a distance where we can't fully see what God is doing. God's trying to draw you and I in to a deeper place of intimacy and relationship that can only happen through prayer. There are some things that cannot happen in just soaking in worship music and singing. There are certain things that cannot happen just with reading your Bible every day. Those things need to happen. They need to happen daily, but nothing will replace prayer. Nothing will replace it. It says, when the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Is that good news or bad news? That's good news, yeah, that's great news. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Oh, too bad. Oh, well, can't do it, can't brush my teeth. Don't have the workers. The harvest is great. Yes. And Jesus. But we don't have enough workers. Oh, so close. Too bad. I don't know. What do we do? So pray. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. That's big right there. Somebody should underline that in your Bible. Ask him to send more workers into the field. Believe it or not, this is a little bit of a formula. I know sometimes people hate, oh, don't put God in the box of a formula, but God's not in a box. But God keeps us in a box because sometimes we couldn't handle being in God's realm fully. So he's like, listen, let me just, all right, listen, if you do this, then I'll do this. Well, God's not, God's not just a God of formulas. No, no, he's not, but God creates the formulas because we need them sometimes. We go back to our original scripture that we read in 2 Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name, it says if and then then, and then these things that God desires us to do, then it creates an outcome that unlocks the purpose of God. We're seeing a little bit of this here. The harvest is great, the workers are few. Okay, so what do we do? So pray. Who are we praying to? We're praying to the Lord. Who, why? Because he's in charge. He's in charge of the harvest. He's in charge of what we need and he's in charge of what he wants to give. So that right now, we can take this right now, this, this, this few simple verses, and we can break it down for your own individual life. The purposes, the promises of God over your life are great, and they're ready. God's ready to unlock his purposes in your life. Aren't you excited about that? Isn't that great news? Aren't you excited that God wants to bless you? He actually does. God doesn't, he doesn't find joy in people being stuck in poverty, believe it or not. 
But isn't that fantastic news? But I don't feel good. But I said I'm sick. But my marriage is falling apart. But I I lost my job, so what are you going to do? I guess God will bless somebody else. I mean, he he had the purpose for me. I mean, he loves everyone. Maybe he'll take what he was going to give to me since I blew it, and he'll, he'll give it to somebody else. That's all we can do, right? Do your best. It was great news. I knew God loved me. I knew he had plans for me. I knew he, he knew me before I was even formed in my, in my mother's womb. He knew my name. He knew my calling. He knew my purpose. He knew the provisions I would need in the moments that I would need them. He knew the relationships that I would need in my life before I even knew who they were. He knew the church that God was going to put into my life before I even showed up at that church. But there's too many obstacles. I, I, would, I, would, I would be a part of that, but, man, life's just busy. Life's busy, man. Relationships are hard, man. People, people, people. Have to interact with people. Just gets a little too messy for me. I, I like what's going on, but I'll I'll, I'll kind of hang out back here. Y'all, y'all do that, and, and I'll I'll show up and cheer you on occasionally. But just too many obstacles. I don't know if I can do the things that God says He created me to do. No, there's a solution. So pray. Who? You. No, who do I pray to? Do you like that I just disagreed myself in, a, in my own conversation in my head? That was fantastic. Pray to Jesus. Why? Because he's in charge. Jesus is in charge of what he wants to see unlocked in your life. You know what that means? Some of y'all aren't going to like this. It means you're not in charge. <laughs> it means you're not in charge. And somebody should praise Jesus that you're, you don't have to be in charge of the details of your life. You don't have to be your own God. Somebody should thank Jesus for being the God so that we don't have to try to be. It's good news. But we got to pray. You can't talk about prayer without referencing the Reverend M.C. Hammer. He had it right all along. You've got to pray. Finish it, Herman. Just to, come on, man. Jeez. <laughs> to make it today. Okay. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So right here, usually one of two things happens. Either we quit, we detach, we, we, we back out, we tap out because we don't, we don't see the solution. Or maybe we see it, but we doubt our own capabilities to walk in that solution. Or the other thing that usually happens for, for many people is we, we, we try to take over control, and we try to make it happen. And, and you can actually do that for a period of time. You can successfully take charge of your life and your desired purpose for a period of time. But what's going to happen is you're going to either smoke yourself or other people along the way because you're doing it on your own strength. And God never asked you to do anything for his kingdom in your own strength. I mentioned it last week, and if you weren't here, you didn't get to hear it, but we got this lie in theology around the church where people are like, the Bible says that God will never give me more than I can handle. Ah, that's a bunch of BS. Yes, he will. Do you know why? Because you need him. You need him. And you don't just need him today, and then you're strong, and then you're good on your own the next day. Every single day of your life, you need Jesus. You need him when you wake up. 
You need him throughout the day with your family and at your work. You need him when you're believing for a job. You need him in every aspect of your life. When you go to bed at night, he wants to be the first thing on your mind and the last thing on your mind. And I'm, I'm a human being, so I understand the ridiculous nature of that statement that I just made. I mean, I don't even know how to do that. No, it's just have that awareness, have time with God. We're not gonna go through today and, and, and give you that little list of this is how you pray. I think we might get to that, but not today. But today we just wanna understand the context of how important it is for us to begin to pray. So um, let's put up this next slide, because this is where I wanna kinda... Um, this is where I want to kind of go into. So, all right, so check this out. I'm going to hop up here so you can look at this. So when we look at this, this passage that we just read, you see Jesus talking about an opportunity. The harvest is great. That's opportunity. Oh, it says it right there. Harvest is great. I made, these, I made these slides. Then there's an obstacle to the opportunity. The workers are few. Then there's a solution to the obstacle. This is where many people stop short right here. Because we don't see it or we do see it and we discount ourselves. We, we, we write ourselves off because we're not good enough. We failed a thousand times. We're just gonna fail again and we tap out. But listen, this is where we have to bring God into the solution. This is where prayer has to be the thing. So pray. You don't have to be a theologically perfect prayer warrior. I'm not talking about designating two hours out of every single day where you just get on your face, although that's ideal. That would be fantastic. But yeah, we got lives, and Jesus knows it, but he wants to be a part of it. So pray, because when you, when you pray, the focus of your prayer isn't on your problem, it's on Jesus. Jesus is in charge, and the action within our prayer is the ask. You have to ask. The Bible tells us in the Gospels, Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Like, well, I did, I did once. Now, the better translations of those passages, it says, ask and keep on asking until you receive. Knock and keep on knocking until you annoy God with your knocking and he finally responds to what you're saying. Which I don't think you can annoy God. I think that's part of the thing he loves is he loves to see the hunger of his kids. But listen, we, we've got to get past these limitations that are fleshly and limitations that come from the enemy who knows what's about to happen. The enemy knows that if you continue to ask God, that you will, you will eventually become in line with what God's going to do. That's a, beauty thing, that's a beautiful thing about prayer is that it's not just about, okay, God, here's my list of needs. You're my genie. I'm going to rub it, and you're going to tell me exactly what you're going to do for me because this is what I want you to do. No, what prayer does is it draws you into a place of intimacy where what possibly started off initially as, God, I need this, I need this, the closer you get to God through time spent with him, you actually come into alignment with what his perfect will is. I can't tell you how many prayers I have desperately prayed in my life that have never come true and how many of them I am so grateful that they never did. Anybody pray one of those prayers? You're looking back, you're like, whoops. Hey, you remember? No, let's not on, let's not on that one. No, that's, that's the beauty. But what happens is the more that you pray and the more that you get yourself in tune with who God is through Scripture, through prayer, through being in environments where you're going to be discipled and taught and encouraged, your prayers actually begin to shift because your spirit becomes in alignment with what God is desiring to do. God's plans for you are good and pleasing and perfect. It says that in the Bible. Those are very specific descriptions of what God desires to do for your life. It's pretty stinking powerful. 
And if they're good, pleasing, and perfect, that means that the more that you pray, the better your life will be because you will be coming in line with the good, pleasing, and perfect plan of God and not the broken, jacked up, misaligned plan that you had for yourself. This isn't how I saw it happening, but wow, that kind of turned out way better. That's because God loves you. That's because God's looking to do something. I, you know, I, really, I really thought by this point in my life, I would be at this stage in life, but I'm not. No, 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 you're not missing out. You just need to get yourself in alignment because God's trying to position you for something greater than you could have imagined on your own. You haven't, this is a prophetic word for somebody, I don't know who it is. You have not missed your season. God is preparing you for the season. Yeah. We can't stop short of giving God the position that he needs in our life to do what only he can do in our life. And I love the fact that when we look at what's going on around us in a bigger picture, in the nation, when we, when we see what God is doing around us, um, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in, in fear of what's happening now, what's gonna happen in a couple of months, what's gonna happen in a year. We don't have to live in fear for that. You know why? Because when we put ourselves in that position where we are trusting God and through prayer, did you know another thing that happens the more that you increase your prayer life? Peace increases with prayer. Peace increases with prayer. And here's something that is super powerful. Because we make decisions in panic moments, don't we? That's, that's kind of like a human nature. Like you're like, we gotta do something, gotta do something. And usually in the panic moments, we, we don't make the best decisions. That's just my personal experience with that. No, but it's the moments where we decide to pause, step back, and dive into prayer and say, God, help me to align myself with what you are doing right now. And we begin to realize that God is not accidentally allowing seasons to happen in our world. God is not taken by surprise by what is happening in the world around us. He does not have a weekly staff meeting in heaven with his angels and from the Trinity saying, guys, didn't see this one coming. Do you have any thoughts? Do you know we didn't see 2020 happening like this? No, that's us. We didn't see 2020 happening like this and still don't. But the truth of the matter is, is that instead of us uh, griping and complaining about what we can't control and being worried and filled with anxiety about the things that are outside of our hands, the one thing you do have control of is to make sure that you take your life and put it in the control of God. You do have control of that because God's never gonna force himself on you. God partners with those that call on his name. So let me go back to this very first scripture, and this is where we're going to end today. Can you just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just listen to this? Let this sink into, into your hearts today. If there is to be a local, a national, a, a worldwide revival of people coming back to Jesus and people coming to him for the first time, I know it, it gets cliche over the generations, but this is the gospel truth is that, guys, listen, for things to happen outside of us, things have to start by happening inside of us. We will, we will never be able to get to where God is trying to call us when we don't invite him in and ask him to lead the way. And then when he begins to move, we don't move with him. 
2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name, that's you, that's you, will humble themselves, we gotta get rid of pride, and pray and seek my face. And yeah, come on guys, we gotta turn from our wicked ways. That's not religion and that's not about rules and regulations. That's about us realizing that we are, in our human nature, we're far from God. We're by nature, we're filled with sin. By, by nature, we don't have to think how to do the wrong thing. It kind of comes easy to us. It is when we replace our nature with the nature of God, we have to begin to believe that we are who God says we are. He says, I will hear from heaven. Man, that's, so, that's crazy. God, the creator of the universe, maker of the heaven and the earth. He formed you and he formed me in his image and he knew who you would be before you ever breathed oxygen in this world. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins. That's such great news. I'm so grateful for that. And restore their land. That believes, or that speaks to your life. God will restore your life. God will restore your body. God will restore your mind. God will restore relationships. God will restore anything that has been lost to the work of the enemy in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when the enemy is caught, he has to repay seven times what he's stolen. Some of y'all gotta stop letting the devil get away with what he has stolen. And you need to begin in prayer to begin to stand up and take authority over what has been taken in your life and from your life and demand in the name of Jesus that it be restored seven times over. You've had some bad relationships and it stole a lot. God's gonna restore it and then some. Your family has always seemed to struggle financially. There's been things that just seem, as soon as something comes in, it gets taken away. God's trying to get at something and he will see that restored. Dedicate yourself to prayer and intimacy with the Lord. And yes, add a bigger picture. And this is where I always see myself, my, my mind and my heart and, and my vision and my spirit and the things that I feel like God is going to do in and through this church, but also in our region and beyond. I look at our land. I look at Reno in our region being the second most unchurched city in our country. That there is more brokenness. And we live here, right? Y'all live here, we know this. We see it every day. Whether it's the, the individuals who are broken and living homeless in our streets, whether it's the, the women and the children who are being captured up in trafficking and being sold and being exploited in our streets, whether it's the suicide rate in our teenagers, whether it's the opioid addiction, whether it's the dropout rate and the teen pregnancy rate and whether all these different things, the divorce rate, addiction. As a church, there is a solution for these problems. And I'll be the first to tell you that they're not government programs. Those are great, they help a lot of people. 
But it's, it's a sad day in our society when the government has to pick up the slack for what the church should be doing. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek their face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. That's a promise. God says, I will hear from heaven. I don't know if God hears my prayers. Here's your solution. Here's one more encouragement before I pray for you. There's no such thing as an obstacle if there isn't something on the other side waiting for you. <laughs> because then there wouldn't be anything worth pushing through in order to get to. If you're facing obstacles in your life, you need to know that's because there is something great on the other side of that obstacle. Pastor Kara was saying during worship, the whole point of there being breakthrough is that you have to be willing to actually break through and most people stop short because we're hitting this wall, right? We're hitting this wall and the wall doesn't seem to be cracking and the wall's not gone and well, God put a wall up so I guess that's not, no, you keep breaking through until through prayer, God either redirects you or God puts his fist through the wall for you. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Convo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.